always was, always will be. Hello and welcome back to Mimazine On Air. This week is all about the annual Invasion Day March, which this year took place in Sydney CBD on the 26th of January. The 26th of January. Australia Day or Invasion Day? The day Captain Cook arrived on the Australian continent and discovered it. A day now celebrated by many as Australia Day. But in recent years, there has been a growing unease with this name. Australia has an extensive Indigenous history, dating back thousands of years, which doesn't even play a part in this day. For many, this day is a day of mourning. A day 267 years ago that Indigenous mass murder began. I spoke to a number of different voices at the rally, each bringing forward their own stories, identity, griefs, past, and why this day means so much to them. Firstly, I spoke to Yila, a tribal elder who is tired of the oppression his people face daily. I am Yila Banambadi. I'm a tribal elder of the Gidabu, Wijinbu, and the Walabu and the Rakabu tribes. My slave name is Kevin Buta. Could you tell me a little bit about why you are here today and what today represents for you? We're, we're tired of the oppression. Okay. We're tired of being kept in a slave status in our own tribal lands. The government and the Commonwealth and the states and the territories and its agents are aware that they are holding us as slaves through a criminalisation process. Emotions were running high. You could really feel the passion and desperation for change. Uh, the so-called um, first settlers that came here were convicts. They were criminalised as a cheap source of slavery to settle this country. Now we are the slaves in our own lands and we want it ceased. We want it stopped. We're hoping that the international arena will awaken to our plight, that our children will never have a proper future in this country while the police are targeting them to criminalise them, to hold us to bondage. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander prisoners represent 28% of the total adult prisoner population, despite them only making up 3.3% of the Australian population. This is a huge disparity. All the government has ever done for us is give us our rations. Doesn't matter what form it comes in, um, when our old people were kept on the concentration camps that were known as Aboriginal reserves and missions, they got rations. Now we get rations in the form of welfare. There's no difference. We're getting nothing and they've promised us everything and basically giving us nothing. And we're tired of broken promises because it diminishes us as a people. It diminishes our spirit and our soul because we are tired of broken promises. And today is commonly known as Australia Day, but more recently becoming Invasion Day. Please, can you tell me a little bit about that? There was a time in this country where white supremacy and um, apartheidism was very well alive in this country, where a black man was told where to sit, where he could walk and where he could be in a town. And today, in these modern times, we're living in a, in, in a, a so-called civilised world that still hangs on to lies, that they are actually celebrating a crime today. And we're the truth of that crime. We're the truth that Governor Phillip 
was no officer and a gentleman. Arthur Phillip was a Royal Navy officer and the first governor of New South Wales, who led the British settlement and colonisation of Australia. Um, the Jews had Hitler, we had Governor Phillip. That's that's simple as that. And he was not just a cruel man to the, the to the black man of this country, but he was also a cruel man to those that were criminalised, that were brought out here to um, clear the land and to clear us blackfellas out of it. Would you say today then is a celebration of indigenous people or would you say you're trying to change the mindset from Australia Day to a so-called Invasion Day? If the Commonwealth of Australia, if it came and properly dialogued with the original inhabitants of this country and the descendants of those original inhabitants, we would be probably celebrating and it probably may not be Australia Day. It may be that we may be able to sell, um, celebrate nationhood of a country where the governance of this country is held accountable to the peoples rather than to corporate entities that are robbing and stealing and killing our land that has sustained us for over 70 to 80,000 years. And it's being destroyed within 200 years. It's unbelievable to think of the rape destruction such a small group of people have had on such an enormous, great continent. It's so amazing to see so many people here today, Indigenous and non-Indigenous alike, really standing behind this cause and getting behind it. I feel like, from my perspective, there seems to be some progression. Would you agree with that? The younger generation, um, and I, I believe events like this, truth has a way of changing your mindset. Truth awakens the consciousness of our responsibility to truth. And when we are not walking and having a responsibility to truth, then you are nothing but a deceiver. You are living a lie. And this is where these events brings the truth of the history of this country's development to the forefront. But when crimes are continually happening that oppress us as a race, we have to stand here. We have to stand up and voice our discontent for their behaviour. It's, it's ungodly behaviour. There is no good conscience in what the government is doing to us as a race. There has never been any good conscience. I refer to um, including us into the Constitution. The Constitution is a dinosaur document brought upon by royalists and white supremacists who want to have dominion over his fellow men. And are you hopeful or optimistic for the future? As long as the Australian government and its states and its territories continue to ignore our pleas and our voice, then we will go nowhere. We will be going nowhere in this country. I believe it's time that the International Human Rights Commission really comes and has a look at the human rights violations that have been placed upon us as the original inhabitants. They don't have a legal mandate to do so. We have never given permission for them to come and apply their governance or their laws upon us. And yet here we are, 200 years later, that's a human violation. We are never able to be the powerful or the spiritual influence upon our children's hearts or minds. Governments are breaking those ties by incarcerating them. We don't even get a chance to grieve. 
because we are always looking at the, the false promises and the false hope that the Commonwealth and all its states and its territories and its agents um, supposedly promise us and we end up with nothing. Every document, every legislature that they have come out with to try and control the black man and that was all it's about, to make us become reliant. You know, the saying is in the scriptures that even a dog has a right to eat from the master's table. Well, these fellas, they don't want us at their table. I really hope today brings a new wave of hope and a new awareness. I think you are right. I think it is the younger generation, it seems, that are really pushing this awareness to the commonplace. I'm really behind you on your cause and I really hope that this today brings some really necessary change to this country. It's like chipping away at a, a rock that you want to shape. You might have to chip and keep chipping away day in and day out. Or events like this are chipping away at the government's deception. Your courthouses, for example. When you actually go into a courthouse, you're actually going onto a deck of a ship because they can't claim law of the land. That belongs to the original inhabitants. Had been for over 30 to 70,000 years. Now, if you're going into a courthouse, you're either somebody's property or you're a part of the manifest of a ship. And I'm sorry, we're not the proper cargo of a ship. We were here, and they now hold us in slavery. And the Commonwealth is very aware that our status in our country is no more than a slave. And that's why we're here. This is why we march. Well, I stand with you. Thank you so much for your time. A common belief is that it would be the youth who would drive any change. The young woman I spoke to next also shared this view. So my name is Narelle. I grew up in Armidale. I'm a Waka Waka Sherberg woman from Brisbane, Queensland. Why are you here today? What does the day represent for you? So this is my very first march in my life ever that I've attended one of these events. I'm just here for a lot of things. Um, our people are still oppressed. So I'm just here to fight for the rights of justice for our people. Uh, murdered in cold blood in deaths in custody. The rate of deaths in custody for Indigenous men and women are disproportionately higher than non-Indigenous. There's a few people here with posters um, with victims of the people that were killed in custody by the hands of police. It was hard not to notice. Throughout the day, there were memorial images and posters of loved ones, mainly young men, who had died whilst in custody, many without investigations into the cause of death and none with a perpetrator charged. In fact, no Australian police officer has ever been charged for the death of a person in custody. Just here to represent Survival Day because our race were supposed to be killed out on this day many years ago. Um, but we, we're still here today, we're survivors. It's a good day to be a part of. You know, this is a beautiful country and there's a lot of non-Indigenous people here taking a part of this event and we can reunite in this beautiful country as one together but not today because today is a day of genocide, um, a day of mourning for our people, a reminder that we are survivors and that we're still here today and we can reunite as one but not today. Do you think it is going to be the younger generation really driving this change in the country? Well, I hope so. I'm here with my 
niece today um, and my son. Um, um, my son is five. I hope that his eyes are opened up to our culture, our people and the land and everything involved in today. As I said, this is one of my very first marches I'm attending and just proud to be here. And it's good to see not Indigenous people here taking a part of this event too, to educate themselves and be respectful and be a part of it. So that's really good too. That's amazing. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you talking to me today on such a special day for you as well. So thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate you too. Thank you. Noelle seemed really hopeful that Indigenous and non-Indigenous people could unite, but not today. As she very clearly stated, the 26th of January is a day of mourning. It was important for different voices to be heard, a safe space for stories to be shared and opinions to be voiced. It's great to be here to welcome you on behalf of the Aboriginal people of this land. We can't see any point really celebrating Australia Day. Because, uh, yesterday I heard a, an interview on the ABC where they, uh, they were interviewing people and they asked one particular non-Aboriginal lady or white lady that uh, what she thought of the Aboriginal opinion would be of Australia Day. She said, oh, they don't worry us. We're Australian. So I thought, what a supreme insult to Aboriginal people. It really makes you question, what is an Australian identity? The politics of the day is, is not very satisfactory to Aboriginal people. It's not satisfactory to non-Aboriginal people as well. That's both federal and state, state parties. So we're going to kick their ass a little and get them on side to take notice. And we want to change the date of... Australia Day, without offending you, if we could do that, we'll have a closer concept of reconciliation. There is a lot of pressure on the Australian government to change the date. Change the date of Australia Day, from the day Captain Cook arrived on the continent. There is also pressure to change the name, and, one step further, change the system. Thank you very much, It was important for different voices to be heard, a safe space for stories to be shared, and opinions to be voiced. There's been a lot of tension in our community about voices to be heard. We are in a crisis situation in this country. And because of that crisis situation in this country, we have a lot of blackfellas with lots of discrepancies that need to be heard today. Emotions were extremely high throughout the talks in March. Who owns this land? Who owns this land? This is why we have come here today. This is not a change the day protest. This is about Aboriginal people being assertive. Without disadvantages, we suffer in this country. Give it back to the rightful owners. A system that has been corrupt, murderous, and genocidal in all their intentions. We have had enough. Yeah. It has taken you a hundred years to finally realise that the capitalist, the corporate, 
and commercial industry take precedence over our lives as humanity. It's not only our lives as humanity, but it's the lives of our trees, our native vegetation, our native wildlife. Lots of areas were discussed. Fracking, the environment, water, but in particular, deaths in custody. I see there's some posters up here today about deaths in custody. Deaths in custody. And stop back deaths in custody! There is widespread awareness now that a disproportionate number of Indigenous Australians have died after being chased or arrested by police or convicted of offences. I feel so much about the deaths in custody there. People are being arrested on trains, being taken to the police station, and they're dying in custody. This should never, ever occur anymore. Anymore, no more. We next heard from a mother whose son had died whilst in custody, and their harrowing journey to finally get an inquest, three years after the death. We found our boy naked, with only a pair of hospital socks on. We wondered if he was in the morgue and pronounced dead on arrival and the corrective services brought him out to put a show on for us. For three days, our boy laid naked there with toxics coming out of, his, out of his nose that I had to wipe away. Our inquest is in July. We've already had a directions court. They've already said that it's suicide without any witnesses. Without even investigating it, said that it was suicide straight away within the first three hours. Our boy had only left one son for us. And when he goes with his aunties to the cemetery at two and three o'clock in the morning, we can't find our kids. And they're laying up there next to their brother with the pillow. No, and his little boy won't go home to his mum because he feels that his father's still with us. I ask myself all the time, was he found naked for the simple fact that they stripped him because of the evidence on his clothes? Nigo's untrusting of the police over her son Tani's death is not uncommon. They'd even cut off his rat's tail that he'd been grown since he was 13 years of age. Now to an Aboriginal woman, that hair is important. That belongs to me. That belongs to his baby. Will I ever get it back? But I should be treated equal like the same woman in Russia that cries for her kid. I should be equal as the same mother in China yes. that loves her little boy. Why ain't I treated the same way as the woman in Fiji? It's because I got black skin. In August 2018, an exclusive analysis of 10 years of coronial data found 407 Indigenous people had died in police or prison custody since the end of the Royal Commission in 1991. As of 2019, that figure had increased to 424. When they asked where did we want Tani's inquest, they said Armadale, Tamworth, or Sydney. And I said, so why is Tani Chatfield important than the others? Why, does, why do we get an opportunity to say where we want his inquest? They want us out of the limelight. It's a UK international law that these kids of ours can't be isolated and he was isolated twice. He'd went to the hospital the night before and they say that he had a seizure. That was on the 19th. 
Then he goes back on the 20th as a hanging victim. You know, he had blood under and skin under his fingernails that, the, that they didn't even investigate. They said, well, when he'd done the seizure, he might have scratched himself. But when my boy had all them bruises on his arm and them marks around his neck, all inconclusive evidence to suicide. Analysis shows that government failures to follow their own procedures and provide appropriate medical care to Indigenous people in custody are major causes of the rising rates of Indigenous people dying in jail. You know, I, I'm the only one in my family that read the autopsy reports. How can you tell your kids at the hospital their brother's brain was dying? My boy was already dead people, but they put on a show. He lay there with a fan and a cold sheet and ice packs around his body because they went on to harvest his organs. Life support machine. Right. Life support machine. I still sometimes think my boy's in prison and all I do is wait at that door, waiting for him to come home. I don't want any other family to go through what I went through. All the families before us. Five hours after we got the phone call from my daughter, not from corrective services or the police, they said you can have an emergency visit with Tani. And I was expecting my boy to sit up and say, Mum, they're in there bashing me. They're in there spitting on me. They're in there smacking me up their head before we go out on the visits to see ya. On the last visit, when I had that with Tani, I lay him in the red poncho in my arms and the officers were looking at him. Oh, what is he, your mummy's crazy? But he's man, what he thinks he's behind them walls. They treat our kids like animals and they need to be accountable. The police and Indigenous people have a long history of violent clashes. I'm asking this today really join in with Black Bess and Custody because it's a painful, painful journey. And there's mothers after me and there's mothers before me. But look at your own kids if they're here today. Would you like to find them naked with no answers? It's been three years, people. And we've had one meeting with Corrective Services because they're gutless to face us. Ask yourselves, should they be accountable for these murders of our kids? This episode was a really powerful one, but also really hard to record. The people who I met and were so kind to share their stories with me will stay with me for a very long time. I hope you can agree this is a really important cause that needs to be aired to the global community. If you can share this podcast, spread the message and educate others on the Indigenous people's plight, that would be unbelievably helpful. Until next week. Mm-hmm.